You know, one of the things I've discovered, motherhood is not for sissies, and I'm a dad. Being a dad isn't for sissies either. Uh, it's tough. Uh, it's a challenge, but it's a, it's a wonderful challenge in so mer- very many ways. There are lots of joys with being a parent. There are lots of sorrows that come along with being a parent as you watch your child hurt, because it happens. Um, kids call other kids names. They get into fights. It doesn't always work out like it ought to, I guess. But they're with parenting, with raising a child, um, you'll have successes and you'll have colossal failures. It happens. When it comes to parenting, you love to hear the words, I love you. Listen, there's nothing like the first time a child tells you, I love you. And as a, a, a parent of grown kids, there's nothing like hearing adult children still tell you, I love you. But, you know, along with parenting also comes the challenge because um, although I don't know that my kids ever said this, I know it's not, I know it's not uncommon that sometimes when a child gets anger, they drop the mother of all bombs and they say, I hate you. They don't truly mean that if they were able to stop and process but at the moment they're trying to hurt you as badly as they themselves feel hurt and so they drop that kind of bomb and so parenting is not for sissies but when you're a parent whether that's by birth or by adoption or by fostering when you're a parent here's the truth you never stop being a parent No matter what your child says to you, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the challenges are, you never stop being a parent. If you've got kids, you know that. If you've got grown kids especially, you know that. It just doesn't end. And that can be a beautiful thing. Now, in many ways, parenting is simply a matter of survival especially when they're small, getting enough sleep, being able to get through the day. But I got to tell you, as, as a parent of adult children, it's, it's still a struggle because now you don't get to make the decisions. They're making their decisions. And you can provide wisdom and encouragement and certainly prayer, but they're making the decisions. And so that in, in that way, it makes it sometimes even harder to be a parent when it comes to adult kids. I, I thought a lot about what it means to be a parent, and we are in this series called This Is Us. And in this series, we're trying to take a serious look at family life. And so this is just one aspect, and we'll address it over the course of the next couple of weeks as we talk about parenting, and especially purposeful parenting. But in my research, I stumbled across some some tweets. Now, some of you, you don't know what a tweet is. You think, okay, he's just been out bird watching. Just out listening to the birds sing, and isn't that beautiful? 
Um, a tweet is actually, there's this, this computer thing, this a phone thing called Twitter, and you're able to send out uh, 144 characters. That means the letters, the numbers, and the spaces, and whatever you use, emojis, um, all those things have to be 144 characters or the limit. And so they're very short, very concise. To be honest, it is to, it's like the modern Proverbs. If you go back and you read the Proverbs that, uh, that King Solomon wrote, uh, he, if, I promise you, if Twitter existed then, he would have used it to do Proverbs. Because, I mean, literally, that's what it is. If you go back and look at his Proverbs, they're these short little sayings, short things that you're getting a message across. Well, I found a number of parenting tweets where people were trying to describe what parenting is, and I want to share those with you. And so if, let's go ahead and look at the first one. Can you read this? It says, parenting is 80% making empty threats and 20% picking up miniature toys off the floor. Makes sense. Let's look at the next one. Parenting is basically just listening to yourself talk because no one else is. All right, you, some of you are getting it, okay? The next one says, uh, parenting is like uh, juggling chainsaws and wondering why it's so loud and your shoulders are so sore. The next one says, parenting is a conglomeration of everything I never learned. Parenting is a journey, except it's just traveling from room to room, putting away the same toys all day long. Parenting is telling your kid they can't eat the red Skittle that fell on the floor because it's dirty, then eating it when they're asleep. Parenting is 50% love, 10% lies, 10% yelling, and 30% unclogging toilets. And the last one says, parenting is so easy, said no parent ever. Parenting is a great privilege, but it is an awesome responsibility as well. Why? Because God ultimately entrusts us with little ones who are made in His image. And our responsibility is to let that image shine brightly. For some of you who are wondering, hey, what is parenting? This is a great way to think of it. You've been entrusted with a little one or little ones who grow up. They're not so little anymore, but they are image bearers of God. And your role is to polish and shine and let that image of God shine through them. Because we're not just raising a generation of good men and women, a generation of good tax-paying citizens. Our aim is to raise a generation of godly men and women who know what the great commandment is to love God with all they've got and to love their neighbor as themselves, who know what the great commission is and have committed themselves to be part of going into all nations and making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus taught. Our responsibility as Christian parents, as Christian grandparents, is to help raise the next generation of people who turn the world upside down for Jesus. Now listen, there's a lot of turning upside down in your home, I understand. 
but I'm talking about turning the world upside down for Jesus. Not simply radicals, but people who live radical lifestyles that honor Jesus and promote the kingdom of God. A generation of young men and young women who live according to a different set of principles, who don't buy into the world, the world's standards, the world's measurements of what is important, but instead who want to know what God believes is important and who pursues that with all their hearts. Now listen, if we want to raise the next generation of godly men and women, I promise you this, it will not happen by accident. We parents, we grandparents have to be absolutely intentional about it. We must parent on purpose and parent with purpose. And so today we want to ask the question, what does it mean to be a purposeful parent? What does purposeful parenting look like? Well, the first thing I I think we need to say is, if you want a parent on purpose, then the first, first point is, be a parent. Now, the reason you're going, well, that, 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 that should be obvious. Well, yes, it should be obvious, but it's not obvious to everyone. Last week we said that, that parents and grandparents were to be gatekeepers, and guardians of their children and grandchildren. Kids are smart. They're pretty resourceful. But they do not have the same level of life experience that you have. And that's true whether you're parenting in your 20s or whether you're grandparenting in your 70s. The the kids coming after you, they do not have the same level of life experience the same experiences that you have had in order to help process the world in which they live. And so I'm giving you a definition. What children need is wisdom, and wisdom comes this way. Wisdom is only gained when knowledge and experience and and a proper worldview combine. In your notes, in your notes, would you add this word to the very beginning of that sentence? Godly. I like this sentence. When I went back and read it, I go, okay, it's too late. I've already done the PowerPoint. But if I could rewrite this, I'd rewrite it this way. Godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is only gained when knowledge and experience and a proper worldview combine. Wisdom itself is simply knowledge and experience. But godly wisdom means that our worldview is being shaped by who God is and what God has revealed to us and not by what the commercials tell us or what our friends tell us or what the culture, we talked about the culture, remember last week, what our culture tells us. That's why King Solomon sat down and wrote Proverbs. He was inspired by God to write Proverbs so that wisdom could be imparted to a generation. Wisdom that was learned the hard way in the school of hard knocks, in life. Listen, that's how you get wise, isn't it? You don't get wise reading books. You get knowledge reading books. You don't get wise watching documentaries. You get knowledge watching documentaries. 
If you want to be wise, then your knowledge and experience must come together. And if you want to be wise in a godly sense, then that knowledge and experience must come together with a worldview that is shaped by God and not by man. And so our job, parents, our job, grandparents, as we are being parents, is to actively, is, is to, to guard and to guide, to be active in guarding and guiding our kids. Researcher George Barna, he does a lot of uh, research related to both culture and church. He said that the influence on a person's worldview is heaviest during the years of 18 months old to 13 years old. Get this. If you've got children or you've got grandchildren in this age range, you need to understand that this is a time where their worldview, their view of society, their view of, of what's important and what's not important, of what they should say yes to and what they should say no to, this is where that is primarily shaped. Now, not for everybody. There are people for whom everything just completely transforms in their older teen years or in their 20s or in their 30s. But I want to tell you, do not underestimate the influence that you have on your kids, even if you think you're talking to a blank wall. Let me give you the example. This is personal. I had the privilege of growing up in a home where, where we talked about, at least some, talked about God, talked about Jesus. I had the, the privilege of growing up in a home where participating in the life of a local church was important. And I had Sunday school teachers, and I had vacation Bible school teachers, and I had, had people in my life who talked to me about God's point of view, who talked to me about the kingdom, who talked to me about Jesus, who talked about, to me about what it meant to follow Jesus. I had those influences in my life from early on. I still remember not being in the nursery, but I still remember the nursery at the church where I grew up. Uh, this was a time where children were put literally in cages. Um, it looks nothing like our nursery, but I literally there were two, the whole thing was just, the whole bars would just raise up, and then you had a lid on it. You couldn't go anywhere. There's nothing you could do. I remember, I don't remember being in there, but I remember a lot after that. Now, here's the thing. Even though I experienced all that, I never became a follower of Jesus Christ until I was in college, which is well past 13, okay? But it was what was put into me prior to age 13 that I had the ability to draw on when the Holy Spirit began to bring conviction to my heart. So don't think, don't think for a moment that what you're doing is having no results. You're tilling soil, you are planting seeds, you are pulling weeds, you're doing all the things necessary now to perhaps see a harvest that may come later. 
And so this morning, as uh, uh, Mac and Casey and, and Caleb and Sarah brought their two young boys forward to, to be dedicated, listen, there's, there's nothing magical in that. There's nothing, okay, now, now these children, they've been put in a little cocoon of spirituality and they'll be saved for the rest of their days. No, no, that's not what this is. All this is is saying that parents are coming to say, listen, we intend to raise our children in a godly home. We intend to, to teach them what it means to follow Jesus Christ in our words and in our actions. We intend to teach them that and to give them every possible benefit so at the right time the Holy Spirit comes to them and, and pricks their heart and draws them, then they too will come to know Jesus and begin to follow Him. So don't think that what you're doing is useless, meaningless. You're just wasting your time. You might as well quit. Don't quit. I, I, this is crucially important. And statistics have shown that most people come to faith in Jesus Christ prior to age 13. That they, the numbers, the percentages drop drastically after that. And this is not a matter of manipulation. It's not, oh my goodness, if, if I don't get them by 13, they're lost. It's not the case at all. It just means that you parents and grandparents need to make sure that you're putting the right things into your kid's life and keeping the right things out of your kid's life. Because there are a lot of influences that are good in your kid's life and some that are kind of neutral in your kid's life. But there are many that are awful. They are harmful. And you're, here's the thing about it. And this is the thing about the world that we live in because it's like Satan's got his hands on the steering wheel of this. The world in which we live wants your kids and wants your grandkids. And the world is not passive about this. It's not just sitting back saying, well, you know what, maybe, maybe that child will stumble along and find us get over here and join us no that world's out to get your kids to get your grandkids let me just give you one simple example and the reason i do is because it is such a prominent literally this is epidemic in america and we never talk about it and the issue is pornography it is epidemic all up and down the age scale and honestly it doesn't matter whether you're male or female the numbers are astronomical. And it used to be that if you wanted to view pornography, you had to go down to some corner drugstore or some corner convenience store and you had to buy it off the shelf and take it home. And that's not the way it works now. Okay, You don't have to go looking for it because it's looking for you and it's looking for your kids and grandkids. What do I mean by that? You can literally go and search YouTube videos or search Google or any of those databases, you can search this stuff and you can put in the most innocuous searches. You can search for Disney stuff or you can search for, for uh, whatever. I mean, it doesn't really matter what you put in there. Somewhere along the line, someone has put in that keyword into something that is harmful for your kids. Typically, it's pornography to get them to go to their site. And I promise you this, what is seen cannot be unseen. 
It will live with them. Somehow it roots itself in them. And many young people have been caught up in this epidemic of pornography simply because they stumbled onto it accidentally. It was an accident for them, but it wasn't an accident for the people who were drawing them or luring them to it. This is just one of a myriad of ways that this culture, this world in which we live, attempts to try to get their claws into our kids and our grandkids at an early age. And once they're caught, they simply do not want to let them go. They are actively after your kids. Don't be foolish. Know it. This means you moms and dads, you grandmothers and grandfathers, you need to take control of every electronic device in your house. Now, this is where you may hear, well, I hate you. They'll get over it. You need to be the one who sets the parameters of where you can go and when you can go. They don't need passwords that you don't have. You need every password that they've got. You need That family computer needs to be where you can see it. And I know everything now is, is all personalized, right? You've got an iPad, you've got an iPhone, you've got Android uh, pad, you've got an Android phone, you've got all these smart phones. And, and they are smart. This thing's a whole lot smarter than I am. But you need to have access to everything your kids are doing. You need to have, that, and, and, and we can help. This week, I will be sending out uh, via email, and if you want it non-email, just let us know. I'm going to be sending out to you some sites that you can use to help monitor what's going on on your kid's computer. Some of them are free, some of them are pay, but we need to understand this, and we need to, we need to embrace this. This is our responsibility because the world is after our kids. We, remember, are the guides and the guardians. And we have to take that role very, very seriously because they not only want to influence our kids for the moment, they want to influence our kids for the rest of their lives. Let us stand in the gap. Set the limits. That's your responsibility. Now you go, but they may not like me if I do it. You got to quit being interested in being your child's friend when they're growing up and be the parent or be the grandparent. Because if you are the parent or the grandparent, I don't mean just being mean and, you know, taking them outside and caning them or something. If, you know, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about being a brutal dictator. I'm talking about being a loving parent who's guiding and guarding your kid through their early formative years. Being a friend will come later. Being a friend will come later if you're a parent now. We have gotten to that stage in, in life where our kids, now grown, 
where that friendship blossoms. You know, it takes someone who's close to you to send you a text message at midnight, or it does me anyway. But last night, Nancy gets a text message at 12.01 from Jay wishing her a happy Mother's Day. Actually, actually, he said, happy day, mother. He's a bit of a rebel. But the friendship comes later, and some of you can speak to this. And listen, let me talk to you older adults in here who have gone through this experience, who've lived through this experience, who've struggled raising your kids, and you finally got them up, and now they're older, and they're, they're some of your best friends in the world, and you've got this new relationship. Guys, you need to talk to these younger parents and encourage these younger parents come alongside these younger parents they need what you've experienced they need your wisdom and you younger parents don't be stupid go to these older adults and say listen i'm struggling with this how did you handle this how now again they didn't have to deal with some of the technology stuff but they had to deal with a lot of the same things that you're dealing with just go to them and say, listen, I see you've got, you seem to have some great kids. How did you do it? How did you, how did you, how did you navigate through this? And so on both ends of the spectrum, we need to be very, very active in making sure that we are guiding and guarding our kids and, and getting the resources that we need. Let me just give you one scripture this morning, and, and we're going we're gonna to have to draw a line in this sermon. This thing may come out to be two or three parts, but... Let, let me give you one scripture this morning I think is important for us. Here's a principle that we find in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And it says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, the first thing you need to understand is this is a principle, not a promise. And we can talk about that a little later, what that means. Proverbs are principles. That means if you do this, then this is the, the most likely result is going to be this, Okay? It doesn't say, hey, listen, if you do everything you do everything right, then we just promise you it's going to turn out right. That is not what this is saying. What this is saying is you do everything that you can to train up a child. Now, what does that mean, train up a child? Train up involves two things, direction and discipline. Direction and discipline. The role of the parent and, by extension, the role of the grandparent is to continually point the child in the right direction. This way. This is the way to go. And it must be done verbally and by example. I know a lot of parents who've tried to point their kids in the right direction verbally, but who've lived their lives in a different way. You know what the children are going to hear? Not a thing you say, but everything you do. And so pointing them in the right direction and then disciplining them. And that is, what's the discipline? I'm not talking about, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child kind of thing. But I'm talking about setting the parameters for them. Because they don't know, listen, when they're really young, that you may be saying no a lot, okay? You may, because they're trying to figure out where are the boundaries. And I promise you this, and, and, and science has proved this, 
Children are looking for the boundaries. They're trying to find the boundaries. And the reason that they keep pushing is they're trying to figure out, is this a real boundary or can I get on move on through this? Now, I would not recommend this, but we, we got a, a new dog and the dog wanted to go running. And so we decided we were going to get one of these proximity fences. In other words, you put the thing on their, their collar and then you turn the machine on and it goes out a certain distance. And if the dog gets to that thing, it starts beeping. It's the warning. And then it shocks the dog. Now, the thing said on there that there's a three-week training deal. You got to do this. And I'm thinking, three weeks? Who are they training, the dog or me? So I'm going, I got the Jimmy Long solution. So the first day, I take me out and I walk her around. And I, we get near it and it starts beeping and I pull her back. We kind of walk all around the yard, let her hear the beat, pull her back, tell her no, tell her no, tell her no, tell her no. Well, the next day I'm thinking, okay, I've got this thing figured out. She should have it figured out. And so I turn the collar on. There's a setting, one, two, and three. You probably shouldn't start with three. I did. And so I open the door and I let her out and she goes tearing out. She's running. And she gets to the beep, and, you know, she should have stopped. But she didn't. And then the next thing I hear is a yelp, and she's running the other way. And she gets to the other, other area over here, and she's trying to get through into the woods, and it starts to beep, and she didn't pay attention to that. And so it zaps her there. And, and she's going all around the yard, and no matter where she goes, she's getting zapped. Well, I don't know if it's because of the zapping or just that time of the day. She did go ahead and relieve herself. Day three, we open the door and we let her out and she sits on the doorstep. (laughs) She's thinking, I don't know what is out there, but I'm not going to go find out. Well, you know what? Eventually she figured it out. Here's what I want you to tell you, parents and grandparents. There is no shortcut, three-day plan to help train your kids. There simply isn't. It is a lifelong process of loving and correcting, of saying no and saying yes, of disciplining of hugging, of laughing with them and crying with them, of living out an example of what it means to follow Jesus before their eyes every single day. That's the job of a parent, of a mom and of a dad, and by extension of a grandma and a granddad, okay? That's what we're called to do. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put the bookmark right here we'll we'll pick up next week as we talk a little bit more about purposeful parenting but here here's what i i want to share with you right now is you cannot lead your children or grandchildren someplace you yourself have not been what your children and grandchildren need more than anything else in the world is to see what it means to have a christian mom or a christian dad a Christian grandmother or a Christian grandfather 
They need to see it in you. And some of you have made that commitment and you're trying to live that out before their eyes each and every day. And some of you realize, you know, most days I fail. You can teach them something even in your failure, by the way. As you, you can teach them about the mercy and restoration of God and new beginning. But for some of you, you have to admit, you know what? I don't have what it takes because I personally have never given my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And I want to fix that. I want to begin today to lead my family as a Christian father, as a Christian mother, as a Christian grandfather, as a Christian grandmother. I want to begin to lead my family. I want to begin to live it out in front of their eyes. Two things. Number one, you can start today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And if God's calling you today to give your heart and your life to Jesus, then take that step and do it. The second thing is this. You need to have your family in a church. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. But you need to be plugged in. And by plugged in, I mean you need to be not only here on Sundays as often as you're able, but you need to be in a small group. You need to be serving in some capacity. And you need to be willing to speak about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Your kids need to see that. And we're here to help. As a church family, we want to give you the resources that you need to help you with your families. And if you need a church home and you believe God's leading you to Grace Fellowship, we'd love to have you come and be part of the life of this church. We, at the end of our services, have this thing that uh, is called an invitation or a time of commitment, I guess. Depending on what church you go to, it's called different things. But it's basically this. We stand up and we sing a final song. And we invite you, thus the term invitation, we invite you to listen to what God's saying and to follow. To take a step. How do you do that? Well, literally, by taking a step. You step out from where you're seated. If you're in the middle, don't worry. People will move for you. It's okay. And you just come on down and you say, Hey, Pastor, this is why I'm here today. Some of you may just want to come and pray. Pray for your families. Pray for yourself. Some of you may need to receive Christ. Some of you may need a church home. Whatever it is that you need, this is our invitation to you to respond to what the Lord's put on your heart. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for continuing to speak to us. Thank you for loving us enough to correct us. And thank you, Lord, for never giving up on us. We want to be that kind of parents. We want to be that kind of grandparents. The kind who never give up. And so, Lord, I pray for those who need to start in Christ today that they'll find it here today. I pray for those who need a church home, Lord, if this is where you're calling them, that they'll they'll find this is the place where they can be strengthened and grow and help others to be strengthened and grow. And Lord, if there are some who just need to come and with tears pray to you, praying for their kids, praying for their grandkids, praying for themselves, Lord, I pray this will be a time of devotion, 
and dedication on our hearts as we just pour out everything to you and entrust it to you. But this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.